Welcome to Talk Dizzy to Me, the show that brings you a comprehensive look into the complex field of dizziness. Now here are your hosts, vestibular physical therapist, Dr. Abby Ross and Dr. Danielle Tate. Welcome to another episode of Talk Dizzy to Me. I am Dr. Danielle Tolman, and as always, joined by my co-host, Dr. Abby Ross, who is also a vestibular physical therapist and neuroclinical specialist. Today, we have something really cool and unique. Um, we have the team from Otolith Labs joining us today to talk about their new device called the Otoband, which has reached new heights in its development, and it's really, really exciting. Um, we hope that this will help kind of bring some attention to what they're doing because it's really, really cool. So let me welcome Sam Owen and Dr. Didier. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you Thank so you much. For having us. Yeah. So, you know, for our audience, some people might not have heard of Otolith Labs and also the Oto Band. So can we start by giving a little bit of history, how you guys came about, what the technology involves, why you started into this field? Uh, yeah, so the, the history is... I was working, um, my background was I was a physicist and I was working on a PhD at Georgetown University. I had taken a course in acceleration sensors and I happened to read this article about how humans have acceleration sensors in their, their inner ear. And it just started as a thought experiment. Can I interact with the human acceleration sensor? Um, I get terrible car sickness and I knew that that was all related. And so the first prototypes I actually tested on myself. Um, and it did a great job curing my motion sickness. Um, and that's actually how we started for a while. I, I reached out to, uh, Didier here when, um, I was trying to bring a little bit more scientific, um, clinical expertise to the team. Uh, he was a bit of a skeptic. I don't know. You want to give your experience, Didier? Yeah. Sam contacted me about both writing a grant and, uh, help with the science. And since I've been in academia for entirely too long, in the inner ear um, that sounded both interesting, but at the same time, I was extremely doubtful to put it mildly, but he was pretty convincing. So I thought I would shut him up since I get severe motion sickness. I suggested that he drive me around and I would throw up within five minutes. And I was sure. And so I went to Sam and he put this device on me and I went in the back of my car while he was driving. And for the first time in my life, as corny as it sounds, I was able to read in the back of a car without throwing up, and that was a new experience for me. Yeah, and it's me to just join the effort. Yeah, and so that, that's how we started. Was actually motion sickness, and then when we were trying to bring on our chief product officer, he doesn't get car sick, so he couldn't just test the thing out, and so he gave it to a ear, nose, and throat doctor friend of his, and uh, the doctor was much like Didier. He's like, "Here, give it here. I'll show you that it doesn't work." <laughs> and then two days later, he's like. How do I invest in this company? And he's actually gone on to become an advisor and investor in our company. And the reason he had this big change of heart was he tried it on patients with vertigo. Um, he tried it on patients who uh, were going through caloric testing. And in all these cases, there was an immediate and profound um, improvement that people who could not get through the testing battery uh, without just getting violently ill could get through entirely um, and had no issues. And the, the effect was near immediate. And when we heard this, uh, we kind of looked at the, you know, the vertigo patient population versus the motion sickness population. And, you know, this ENT was like, listen, guys, we really don't have anything to treat these patients. Like they really need something like this. And so 
you know, it took us a little bit while to get a little longer to, to get the clinical data before we really said, okay, we are a vertigo company rather than a motion sickness company. But that's happened now because uh, the, the data has come back now that we seem to be a pretty effective uh, treatment for immediate reduction in vertigo symptoms. So we're excited about that. And uh, it's been a long road and not, not linear by any means, but that's, that's where we are now. Well, you guys got me to sign on by coming into the office when I first uh, got contacted and we were kind of in talks and you were telling me about this device. I was like, <laughs> no, this isn't going to work. This is not, you know, but I figured it'd be cool to entertain and see, you know, what was coming up. So you guys actually came into the clinic with your device. I remember going back into my little dizzy den of a room. We put goggles on on some test subjects and we had the device on. We were trying to see if it, it did anything that was abnormal or something that was strange and everything was checking out, you know, checking all the boxes. And I had all these patients who were having a really hard time moving and getting through their exercises just because of how the exercises made them feel. So I remember you guys lent me a device, uh, one of your early, early prototypes, which I still have. <laughs> and uh, we, it was, a, it was amazing. You guys made me a believer right off the bat because these patients who we had struggled with for a long, long time to get moving at all, we could put this device on and suddenly we could almost double what they were doing in a normal treatment session, which is huge for vestibular therapy because getting the patient moving is key. Once they start moving, they start to compensate, but if they're so inhibited by their symptoms, we're not gonna be productive. So you guys made me a believer from, from early, early on, and it's been so exciting to see the path that you guys have taken because you did you did just go from motion sickness to now you've got government contracts for research and working with the government. I mean, that blew my mind when you started telling me all the different things you were doing there. It was so, so cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we're excited. <laughs> so, so let's give our audience a little bit better picture about what the Otoband is and how it works, what it does. Yeah. So here's the current iteration. It's not too much different than what uh, uh, Dr. Danielle has here, but um, it, it no longer has a long wire coming off of it. So it, effectively, it's a uh, unique bone conduction speaker. Uh, so it's sort of like a bone conducting hearing aid, but it's at a different power and a different frequency. Um, so effectively, in your inner ear, you have an acceleration sensor. And, you know, there's left, there's right. Uh, vertigo comes when there's something the matter with it. The 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 motion sickness or the, the, the acceleration sensor could be damaged. You know, that's BPPV or maybe mid-years if there's swelling. Uh, it could be that the, the nerve that's transmitting the signal could be damaged. Um, you know, vestibular neuritis, you could have inflammation. Uh, it could be that there's something wrong with the interpretation of the signal. Maybe a migraine is causing some sort of issue with that. But basically, somewhere between your inner ear and your brain, there is some disconnect. And what our technology does is it stimulates it in a constant but non-informative way. So, you know, here's a vibration that basically shakes this acceleration sensor. Now, the way to think of this is imagine your arm hurts. Um, well, you can rub that arm, just kind of give it this overstimulation, and there's an immediate reduction in symptoms. And again, it doesn't matter if it's pain symptoms or itch symptoms or anything like that. This overwhelming stimulation basically allows you to, to tune out that distracting signal. Well, that's what we do for the vestibular system. And we get to mask this vertiginous signal. And so it's an immediate thing. Uh, it is only symptom management. We're not addressing any of the underlying cause, but um, oftentimes these conditions are benign. They're not getting any worse as long as you know the symptoms are managed. 
Um, and so by, by managing these symptoms, we can get people again, walking again, doing that vestibular rehabilitation, um, just because they're not getting anywhere near as sick as they used to. Yeah, I think um, one way that I relate it to colleagues or other therapists in the field is that it's similar to using like a TENS unit, right? A TENS unit or an Easton unit is not addressing the problem. It's not fixing the problem. It's not curing anything, but it's giving temporary relief to the area that you're applying it to. And the vibration uh, or, you know, through that phone conduction speaker is so slight that once you have that thing on, you actually almost forget you're wearing it and you don't feel that sensation. It's so mild um, in comparison to when we maybe vibrate somebody's mastoid for a vibration test during evaluation where, I mean, the person does not like it because it's so strong. This is not anything related to that. It's a very, very um, mild, mild, mild vibration that you actually almost forget about once you're wearing it for a little bit. Yeah, I'm it, curious oh. about that. Sorry. I was curious about that because when you think about the vibration part, I was like, that would drive me absolutely nuts. That that would make me feel worse, right? But when you put it that way, where you actually sort of habituate to that feeling and it's non-existent after you've had it on for a certain amount of time, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I say one of the most um, impressive things that we've uh, worked on is how underwhelming this is. Um, when you hold it and when you experience it the first time in your hand, uh, it feels like any random vibration. I, I will say it did not start this way. Our first prototypes were very large and you had to hold to your head and they were not unnoticeable. And it actually took us several years of, of very unique uh, um, working to make this as silent and as unnoticeable as possible. We're trying to not stimulate the skin any more than we absolutely have to. We are trying to be very targeted that it's only the, vibra the, the the vestibular system that we're talking. So we want to make it as undistracting as possible. And the result is you see this thing and you hold it in your hand, you're like, that that's it. But that's the secret is that it is, that's it. And so you can wear it. And as Daniel is saying, you don't even realize it's there after a minute or two. And it is important, I think, to talk about the masking. Uh, we still have to get much more concrete evidence, but I think for me, that's the best way to think about it, is just similarly to people who have tinnitus ringing in the ear and who get benefits from having a noise masker, basically a noise machine in their ear. I believe our device works similarly with the vestibular system. It's just simply like a noise masker, but for the vestibular system. Well, let's talk about what you guys have started to see over the years in the different questionnaires and studies that you've done, because you kind of started with motion sickness. And it wasn't until you had people starting to trial the device that all of a sudden you realized there was more to this. So let's let's talk about that. Like what, in what other cases is this being used? Or are you noticing that it's helping people? Sure. So the first university uh, trial that we kicked off was at University of Maryland. And we wanted to look at uh, the improvement and any change that occurred with caloric testing. So this is a very objective measure where we can see, you know, is there an impact on the vestibular system? Um, and then kind of rate the subjective dizziness and, and, and nausea that they were experiencing. Uh, and Didi, I guess you know the results a little bit better than me. So if you want to talk about that. Yeah, so this, the idea was simply to do the vestibular, sorry, the caloric testing with and without our device called the Otoband. And what we found is that, again, similarly to the noise maskers for tinnitus, where a noise masker 
does not prevent you from hearing your tinnitus, but allows you to ignore it and deal with it. Similarly, with caloric testing, with or without the other band, the results, the, the clinical results were the same, but the self-reported dizziness and nausea was much lower with the other band. That was important for me to know when you guys first talked about that, because as a clinician, I want to make sure that I'm not doing anything to change the function externally of the patient's vestibular system. So when you said that there was no change in the caloric uh, values in the, in the um, quantity of what they were coming out with in the testing, that was that was a big part for me because a lot of times these patients will come in on vestibular suppressants, right? So we're trying to exercise a system that's suppressed, but if we can keep them off of those suppressants while keeping them comfortable and not altering the function of the vestibular system, I think that's a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're very happy to see that there was really no impact to reflexes. And, and that's in the end, what you want to have your vestibular system be as a reflexive thing and not something that's taking your conscious, you know, ability of like, whoa, things are moving in ways that they should not be moving. Yeah. It's not like I don't have vertigo anymore, but I, also I cannot stand. It's not at all what happens. Thankfully. <laughs> yeah. So you started with University of Maryland and then where have you expanded since then? Let's see, we started uh, some studies at Jefferson University, and we were about to start one at Miami University. Unfortunately, all these are sorry, University of Miami. Uh, unfortunately, all these were shut down during COVID. Um, and so that kind of got us to become a little bit more creative. So we knew that our technology was, you know, relatively safe, easy to use, you put it on, you turn it on. And if it works for you, the impact is near instantaneous. Um, and so what we developed last year was a uh, tele, uh, telehealth study, essentially. We recruited people, um, you know, either they come to our website and they like signed up for newsletters um, or through Facebook ads or Google ads. Um, and we said, hey, we have this study. Uh, if you fit the inclusion criteria, we will send you a device for two weeks. Anytime you have a episode, uh, just put it on, turn it on. And tell us what your symptoms were immediately before you put it on. And then within five minutes after you put it on. Um, and that's what we've been spending the last year and kind of refining this study uh, with. And that's really the where the big impact has been seen. So uh, some of the takeaways was this was a very open-ended um, enrollment. It was not diagnosis specific. So we had people with BPPV, with Meniere's disease, with vestibular migraines, with just unknown forms of vertigo, 3PD. Um, and with the vast majority of people, there was an immediate reduction in, in their symptoms. Uh, some, some people had multiple um, diagnoses. And so uh, I, I think this is important because uh, a, a study from the Vestibular Disorders Association back in 2016 showed that only 19% of chronic vertigo patients have an accurate and timely diagnosis. And so if you have something that really is not diagnosis specific, but is really just, it's for everything. It's, it's, it's the aspirin of, you know, pain relief type, you know, but for vertigo, um, then we can really just have a big, be, you know, hey, try it, see if it works. And if it does keep using it. 
you're a uh, almost like a tool in the toolbox for these patients. And you're right. You know, we love Vita. Abby and I both uh, work very closely with Vita and love the work that they do. But they're right in the fact that people don't reach diagnoses, you know, quickly. And for some people, especially that have layers or multi-diagnoses or diagnoses, um, they end up taking years to get diagnosed. And in that time, we end up seeing them in the clinic to try to mitigate their symptoms. And I can't tell you how many times patients are like, I wish I could just have a day or a half an hour where I don't have my symptoms. I wish some even say, I wish I had cancer so that we could at least just treat this and be done with it. Like it gets that intense for people and having, I don't think people realize how um, disabling this constant feeling of vertigo and uh, dizziness it is to affect their daily lives. And it's not until they're going through it that all of a sudden they start to feel isolated and uh, dysfunctional and they can't function on their day-to-day basis and normally even just the brain fog. You know, a lot of these patients I've had try the device, feel like that something had lifted as soon as they got it on and they felt like they could be functional. So if they had to do something, you know, within the clinic or an exercise they really dreaded, they'd ask for that device to throw it on and they can kind of get through it and move on. But you know, it really could make a big difference in a lot of people. And it's important to know this isn't curing a diagnosis. This isn't by any means a cure for anything or a treatment. It is simply to help mitigate symptoms. And it's the more research that you guys put into it, the more that you're finding that it's helping a lot more uh, of a spread of different types of people. It's also interesting to see the number of people we have who have VPPV, for instance, with the sort of reputation or whatever the I'm not sure what to call it, wisdom or lack of wisdom that, oh, BPPV, you just have an airplane maneuver and it's cured. And it's true for most people. We're getting a lot of people with BPPV and they give us their history and they say, I've tried it like I've gone 25 times for an airplane maneuver and it just keeps on coming back. It's very refractory. And so even people who have the right diagnosis, doctors just say, hey, you know, just get airplane cured. And they're like, no. <laughs> That's a whole nother can of worms because not all PPV cases can be treated with the Epley, but it is amazing that you guys have developed a device that can help mitigate symptoms, or at least that's what you're finding via the studies that have been done so far. Speaking of studies too, let's talk a little bit about how how the government is interested in this. Why are they granting money or funds to help with the research in this? What's their interest? Uh, so the big grant that we got was a phase two uh, SBIR, that's the Small Business Innovative Research Grant. And this came from the Air Force. Uh, this is kind of a uh, throwback to our old days of motion sickness, but with pilots a little bit more than that. So this was with the uh, Air Force, uh, let's see, AETC, Air Education and Training Command. Um, and essentially... When they're training a pilot, um, you know, if, if they get motion sickness or spatial discordance when they're up in a plane um, and they can't be a pilot, that's a million dollars of sunk cost per pilot. And so if there's a way to reduce that, even a small amount, uh, let's try and find solutions. So their, their ask was take this technology and build it into the ear cups of the helmet. And, um, you know, so that, that's it, it gave us a sense that, you know, this is not necessarily the end design. You know, this is great for clinical trials. This is, you know, it, it's universally ergonomic, but I won't, you know, say that, look at how pretty this thing is. But it gives us a sense that we can really take this small technology, um, which is about the size of eight quarters stacked, 
and basically integrate into anything that makes contact with the head. Um, and so uh, that, that was great. Also, the Defense Health Agency gave us a, a $250,000 grant to um, help further develop this for uh, um, blast injuries and TBI, which sometimes might actually be vestibular related. Um, yep. So that's where we're at right now. We, um, so we, we've gotten $1.8 million so far from the government to help uh, develop this further. That's awesome. And I think you make a good point though. You know, you're still in the developmental. I feel as entrepreneurs, as business owners, you're never at the end product. There's always development along the way, but I would be interested to see for people, you know, maybe you're comfortable throwing this on within your home, but let's say you have a business meeting to attend, or you need to attend a dinner with your family or whatever it is. And those environments are symptom provoking. Could you make something that's smaller, a little bit less visible to the general public so that, you know, the person sitting across from you doesn't even know it's on? Yeah, uh, so we have a variety of form factors, I guess, that we need to explore. Uh, certainly, we can, and we have tried already integrating this device with like a baseball cap or a hairband. Uh, but generally speaking, we're limited because we are trying to vibrate the head. And so we're limited by the fact that humans all have roughly the same head and there's a lot of mass to just move. So there's a minimum size we can reach, so we can never really make it invisible. So I'd like. Yeah. I'd love to be proven wrong, but well, what, what, what I'll say there is we are essentially about the same size and work by the same way as a bone conducting hearing aid. And there's been, you know, millions and millions of dollars thrown at figuring out all the sorts of configurations that you can make that you can make it an implantable, you, you know, with just like a little snap in thing. Um, you could uh, have it built into, you know, the, the cochlear arc is a little bit more inconspicuous kind of goes behind the kind of a wireframe thing goes behind the back of the head. Uh, essentially anything that a bone conducting hearing aid configuration is, we can mimic. And that's something that, you know, like we just mentioned that this is still in development. This is not something that uh, after listening to this episode, anyone's gonna be able to run out and go by um, in the very near future. But I think one of the reasons that we wanted to have you on today and really kind of highlight what you guys are doing is because you've got some um, potential studies still coming up. You've got some research opportunities where, again, you're, you want these this patient population to test this out so that we can collect more data and you can figure out how is this going to be best to help the patient population. So what do you have coming up um, that people might be able to sign up for if they're experiencing symptoms, maybe help out collect this data? So we are currently wrapping up a second study, a telehealth study, uh, where we're kind of comparing the first study, as Sam said, we could, I don't know whether we can give out the numbers, but it, it is a majority of people who are helped, but it was not placebo controlled. It was more of a dosage study. We wanted to see which power level prefer people prefer, which is slightly dependent on the condition. In the current study that we're wrapping up right now, we actually have a placebo, a very good sham and an effective, what we believe is an effective device. And so far the results are just as amazing as the previous study. And then we'll have coming up a pivotal study later this year, I hope, knock on wood, uh, in which uh, we will have a much larger scale study and the diagnosis will be given by an ENT so we can be sure of that when a patient says they have vestibular migraine, for instance, it really is that. And uh, 
I don't know. We're still uh, we're still putting it together, so it will be later this year. Uh, Sam, I'm not sure what the actually. Will be. We we believe that it'll be uh, early next year. I want to clarify. So and the and the reason why I'm we're slightly the reason why we're slightly delaying it is our goal with this is to become part of the standard of care, uh, which would involve uh, you know reimbursement from insurance companies, and so. Uh, we just recently received breakthrough designation from the FDA for this, which we're super excited about. And that actually gives us a lot more access to these insurance companies early on. And if it's possible to get their buy-in as we craft our pivotal trial for the FDA, it might be that as soon as we're FDA approved or shortly thereafter, we would have insurance payer buy-in. And that's that's really the end goal for us. That's um, yeah, absolutely. And so that's the reason why there's a slight delay from this starting this fall to uh, next winter. However, if anyone is interested in this, uh, if they go to our website and you know, there's lots of places to sign up, uh, we keep, we, when we do recruiting, we always go to the people who are in our database first saying that, hey, we are just launching this study. Uh, if you're interested, you know, fill out this and we'll let you know if you fit the criteria. And again, as Didier mentioned, with this, with the Pivotal, we would then direct you to <clears throat> one of our um, uh, sites that <clears throat> that uh, can give the diagnosis. And um, but uh, yeah, that's that's the best way that they can participate. So basically, go to your website, sign up because you guys. And I, I will say, like I, I, I think I'm signed up to receive whenever you guys have something new coming out. You don't spam your uh, data um, participants, uh, you just send something out when there's something new to talk about or something coming up. And you guys are making waves in the community. I was on Facebook last night and uh, Dr. Timothy Hain, the Dizzy Doc uh, out from Chicago posted something on his feed and somebody responded, you should check out the Autoband. I'm waiting for that to come out. So I was so excited to see that organically pop up within our little vestibular community. You guys are, are definitely making waves there. But Anybody watching who might be interested in you guys should definitely check out the website. I'll be sure to link everything in the show notes. Um, what you guys are doing are so cool. It is so cool. You've got cool investors, which I want to hear more about, as well as uh, you were a recent iTech winner with NASA. What? Uh, so I remember helping out the project a little bit, but tell me about what that was and what came of it. Sure. So, um, you know, again, our, our history was we started with motion sickness and uh, motion sickness is seen all over the place. I mean, obviously the most common is reading in a car or something, but there's virtual reality that causes it. Um, you know, being in a boat would cause it and going into space would cause it. And this is actually a big enough problem with, um, with NASA. They actually had a written, uh, needs document. Um, it was, uh, basically we need to find a more effective, way to treat motion sickness because if you can imagine you're you're well there, there's a couple reasons with this one is the moment you get to space you got to the space station for the first three days you're basically you don't give you're not given any work because you just assume you're going to be sick for that long and we're talking about millions of dollars a day in what it costs to have someone there and they're not doing anything um, but then more importantly it's actually planning when they're coming back so Right now, the standard protocol is uh, scopolamine or some sort of um, pharmaceutical intervention. And so you're, you're, you're circling, you're getting ready to, to launch back down. And you're like, okay, I'm going to launch in 30 minutes. It takes a little bit of time for this to take effect. Let's you know put it on right now. Oh, there was a slight delay. We're going to do on the next cycle. It's like, okay, well, do I take more? You know, Is it starting to hit me? And so these pilots who at the most critical time when they need to be thinking – um, might be kind of 
out of it because of the side effects of these these medications. Uh, but they don't want someone landing in the water and you know being sick and all that other stuff. They need to be focused. And so they're like, it'd be amazing if there was some fast-acting treatment, you know, that was non-pharmacological. And I'm like, here it is. We we have it. And uh, so we were able to pitch on that. And of the, I think there's around 800 applicants. So we ended up being uh, one of the three winners picked as the as the winner of last year. So we were excited about that. That is awesome. Yeah. So again, we're focused on vertigo, clinical vertigo, but it's nice seeing that uh, really there's there's applications all over for this. Absolutely. Which is just, which is so cool, which is so cool. We do have studies that have been published like for motion sickness. Uh, you know, we have a study published with Jaguar Land Rover. We have finished a study with Ford Europe. It was also very successful. Um, I and, and these are placebo controlled as well. So yeah. we, we had a sense of that. Hey, it's not just a placebo effect. I have a brother who works for Toyota in their corporate offices and one of his new projects, once he's eventually will dig into Japan, is uh, to help work on the autonomous vehicle that they're they're producing. And when I told him about your product, he's like, well, that's that's definitely something that needs to be looked into. So he's excited about it, too. And he has nothing to do with the vestibular system or inner ear. Just ours. <laughs> Question for you about the motion sickness studies. Was your sample all adults or have you tried this also on kids? No, it was strictly uh, 18 years of age and up, uh, in part just because the pediatric population, uh, actually below 21, is more complicated, but also because their head size is different. And so it would probably require an adaptation and we just have not looked into it. As you know better than I do, kids do get dizzy, but it's a lot less common and they're much better able to deal with it. And they actually enjoy inducing vertigo, right? We've all been kids at some point. <laughs> yeah. So it's a different problem altogether. Yeah. So so really it comes down to, you know, the insurance reasons and that we did not involve kids. But I will say that uh, Diddy does have a kid, some kids and I he may have used them as uh, guinea pigs, so. I may have. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool too that you both have suffered from motion sickness and you find that so often with people in the vestibular world, they have some sort of connection to symptoms of their own or a family member. Yeah, it was interesting when, when I first met you guys, it seemed like your entire team was comprised of people you pulled in by making them, you know, trying to make them dizzy in the back of a car and your device working. So you got a whole group of people that get behind you because all of a sudden they see the value in your product. That's a pretty good foundation to start on. Um, and I know you guys definitely made me a believer. You helped out my patients in the clinic. Um, I still utilize your device. And anytime we have a study that comes up, I make sure I point people in your direction just because it has been shown to help. I've got patients that have got a lot of great things to say. And I, I still cannot wait to see what the future holds for you and this device and how it could potentially help our patient population. The fact that it's safe, there are no side effects, that it's even got this new FDA clearance. It's just, it's all trending in the positive direction. It's just kind of solidifying the fact that you guys are doing something great and you're going to do a lot of good for the vestibular community. So we're, we're really grateful for that. Is there anything we, we haven't touched on that we want to wrap up with, or, you know, do we think we should just send people to your website and let them sign up? 
I just want to clarify that we receive FDA breakthrough designation, breakthrough but we designation. have not received any clearance yet. We are. We, <laughs> you made me nervous there. Yeah. Sorry about uh, that. <laughs> I mean, I, I would just say that uh, you know our goal. Uh, so I'll just give you a little bit more feedback on on what the FDA has said. So um, we've had multiple meetings with them, and we have a sense of what this will be for. And so we've basically gone to them with the idea of having a a broad indication for use. Uh, we call it vestibulogenic vertigo, basically any type of vertigo that's brought on with some something to do with the inner ear and they've more or less signed off on that idea that if we can show this across multiple conditions that it's not just going to be Meniere's disease and it's off label for everything else it really will be everything um and the second thing is that it will be a prescription uh only device uh this again is the feedback from the fda while there has been no reported uh adverse events in any of our studies so it is very safe um uh, the FDA does want to make sure that it's not um, being used to manage something that is actually degenerative, like if it's a tumor or, or you know, strokes, something like that. Uh, they want to make sure that it comes with the diagnosis that it is through a doctor um, that, that it's involved. Um, There's been no significant or serious adverse events. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I just want to give that and uh, again, our, our timeline always seems to move as we figure out what's involved with the study. I just want to give the sense that, you know, this won't be on the market tomorrow. Um, if we're lucky, it would be late 2023. But again, that's that's the idea with, you know, making sure this is done right is do we have real significant uh, scientific data? Um, have, you know, people looked at this and said, yes, this is really going to make a difference. Now, the breakthrough is going to make sure that we have top priority when being looked at by the FDA. So it'll come as fast as possible. But, you know, when this comes out, you can rest assured that it's not going to be just, you know, a new doohickey that, you know, claims the world and has no backing. It, it really will be a very legitimate um, science-backed technology. Which is awesome. Great. Really good stuff. We'll be sure to post your website in the show notes, but, and also, We'll definitely continue to follow along on the journey and continue to promote the product. I'd like to try it myself. Um, maybe when I meet up with Danny someday, we'll we'll have a little experiment ourselves. But thank you so much for joining us. I love the work that you guys are doing, and I hope our audience does too. All right. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you're interested in finding us on social media or the web, you can visit www.vestibular.today for more resources, including testing, treatment, and educational videos, blogs, continuing education classes, and resources, including clinic equipment recommendations, suggested tests, and BPMBV treatment charts. Search Vestibular Today and Balancing Act Rehab on all social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Also, be sure to check out Balancing Act Rehab at www.balancingactrehab.com, especially if you think you would benefit from vestibular therapy. We are your girls. The information on this podcast is not intended to replace the care provided by your qualified health professional or to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on Talk Dizzy to Me. Please contact us at Balancing Act Rehab if you think you could benefit from vestibular therapy.